This week's episode of the Dick and Ham Show is brought to you by Snake Gun 2 for Android and the Old McCallum Scotch Whiskey for that good times and that bad behavior at theoldmccallum.com. We are back. It's uh, Dave dialing in from Oslo and we've got the ranch in Melbourne. Our, our third seat this week, we've got something a little special. We've got a special host this week. Uh, he is a, a life member of the Altona Indoor Football AFL Association. Uh, he is also a life member of the Hong Kong Cricket Club, and he is our correspondent in Asia, Mr. David v- Welcome, sir. Thank you, Stoney. Thank you, Ranch. Great to be here. What an absolute pleasure. Uh, you think about three of the biggest names in podcasting and Steve-O, uh, Boots and Sam, and to, to step into those big big shoes, that's a, feeling a lot of pressure over here in Hong Kong, but we're used to pressure, so I think we'll be okay. So great to be here and looking forward to contributing to the Dick and Ham Show, one of the most popular podcasts going around in Asia in 2021. I meant to <laughs> I ask no you doubt. about that. I'd heard about our popularity, but I wasn't sure. So, uh, so you can confirm that there's a, a big listenership, can you? Huge listenership. It goes, it goes quite well. And, and as you know, I went to a different school than most of you lads and and, they, and my friends from my uh, regional school said, if I go on this podcast, I'm out of the group forever. So I'm stepping over to the other side. So <laughs> looks like my boys will be going to carry in the future uh, if things go this way. Um, it's great to, be, great to be on. I've been loving the Dick and Ham show over here. It's great fun hearing you guys do what you do. So uh, see how we go. Great. Well, we want to talk to you. But uh, before we talk about Hong Kong, which we're all keen to, uh, to hear how things are in your part of the world, we've got to talk about Melbourne. What's going on, Ranch? It's locked down again. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. It's, yep, it's locked down again. People started buying up all the toilet paper three days ago. And so, yeah, here we are. Great. What does it all mean? Is there, is there an end point or is it just to see how it goes lockdown? No, it's a seven-day lockdown, um, effective midnight tonight through until well, midnight next Thursday night. And kind of the same restrictions we had in stage four last time. So you can go outside for you know one of four reasons, or it's one of five now because you can go out to get a vaccination. You can't go within, can't go further than five k's from your house. The only difference is that there's no curfew, but everything else is kind of what it was in stage four, certainly from my memory anyway. So that's a um, a real bummer, but. Look, hopefully it'll just be something that in seven days it's basically kind of taken care of. I think everyone's learnt that half measures don't tend to work with this sort of stuff. So if you just get on top of it, certainly if you are going to have an eradication strategy like Australia wants to have, yeah, if, if unless you just kind of get on top of it, it's, it's going to stick around. But it's certainly a bummer. I was talking to some people at my work um, and I work in the travel industry uh, this evening and they were saying that as soon as the thought of a lockdown kind of entered people's minds, like you could not buy a ticket out of Victoria fast enough before midnight tonight, every single plane is full. <laughs> so what's the plan for those people? Are they just going to take, just work remotely and just stay in some hotel because yep. they don't want to be locked down? Is that kind of the thinking there? Yeah, I, I guess so. Like that, like they might have an apartment or something elsewhere. They might have another place. They might have relatives they're going to go and stay with. Secret second just, family. Well, maybe. And although if they're taking their family with them, <laughs> mm, I don't know. It might not end well. But yeah, so that was. Um, well, I, I presume that's the strategy for them anyway. Sorry, how did it get out, uh, Ranch? How did it? How did it? How did it even get out? What's the story? Yeah, we probably need someone who reads the news like Boots um, on it on, on the podcast for that. But I, I think it was actually someone from South Australia kind of brought it over or something like that, I think. I, the word I, I got on the on the Essendon chat is you thought it was Zerk Thatcher. He's from South Australia. Is he involved in oh, any look, way, Ranch? 
Uh, look, I'm just not convinced he wouldn't have fumbled the virus on the way over. <laughs> to be honest, uh, he's yeah, he's um, and, and also he's so slow he wouldn't be here yet. Um, would, would probably be <laughs> the, the other thing. Essendon yes. chat. It's uh, brought a lot yeah. of life to uh, to a lot of people. Well, it's um, no, we're sorry to hear that there is a lockdown going on. How's the mood this time around? Is it a is it dread? Is it well, we'll be fine? Is it just I'm so pissed off I can't even speak? What is it? Uh, yeah, good question. Actually, I've, I've been so busy the last couple of days. I probably haven't had too much of a chance to get much of a read on it. I think, I think there's probably a mix. Like I think most people are probably, you know, obviously disappointed by it, but I think most people would probably say, yes, it's a pain in the ass, but if it's all done in seven days, then fine. Um, but there would just be some people who are just so shitty about the whole situation. Like, you know, someone who perhaps comes on this podcast occasionally, um, you know, who would just be just so pissed off about the whole situation that they'd be barely be able to speak about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, over here, it's, um, it's strange. We've just come out of a, uh, we're sort of coming out of the, I wouldn't call it lockdown, but the, the heavier level of restrictions, uh, which is very good in terms of your personal freedom but the case numbers still aren't that low. Like we still have 50 a day in Oslo countrywide. We have 500 a day, but they're like, all right, let's, let's open everything up. So it shows you that like philosophical differences between different governments. Whereas they're like, you know what, that's a level we can live with. And, and we just can't have certain industries be crippled for any longer who've been bleeding for, you know, a year plus. So it's kind of like a, it's not hit and hope, but it's a little bit of, well, we think we can live with this and let's, let's see what happens. So uh, my wife is going to a restaurant on Friday for the first time. And, you know, it's been a long time since we could do anything like that, but it's, it's weird because we're not even trying for the, the sort of the zero level elimination strategy. But Dave, how, how's Hong Kong before we go further ranch on Melbourne? What's, what's the, what's the situation in Hong Kong? Well, it came to Hong Kong obviously with the borders with China. So it's kind of, uh, people are kind of used to it over here because uh, we had SARS, you know, going back in the past. So we've all been in masks since February 2020. Never had a hard lockdown. Probably 50 or 60% of people haven't been to the office since March last year. So I haven't seen people at uh, work. Like my team goes in, but I would say 70, 80% of the office, I've got 720 people in our office, haven't been in for a year and a half. So it's a bit different. Everyone's in a mask everywhere you go, but it's, businesses it's kind of business usually it's four to six people in a restaurant sports fields are open we've gone up and down on semi-lockdown but it's kind of it's it's people are going to be used to it here and and we can get the vaccine i've been vaccinated myself uh, the two pfizer jabs but only 18 percent of the population is is vaccinated here even though everyone can get it it's free and it's a smooth process but the hong kong people won't take it they either don't believe in it they don't trust the government they don't think it's an issue or they want to get paid to take it. So it's a real issue to, you know, because we want to open the borders with China because Hong Kong relies so heavily on China business and flow and trade and banking and insurance and all that kind of stuff. But until they get to a certain level of uh, vaccination, it's not going to happen. So uh, mm. we're a bit of a stalemate on that at the moment. But it disappoints me that a lot of very, very smart people over here just won't take the vaccine. That skepticism is, is surprising. I did. I, I knew you had a lot, you had basically have surplus amounts of, of Pfizer vaccine, but I didn't realize the extent to which that was because people were actively rejecting it. Asking to be paid to take, it's a little presumptuous, isn't it? That's, that's expecting a lot. Yeah. Well, they've got been, they, a couple of times over the last years, they go, well, here's, here's a thousand Aussie. If you're over 18, gave it to everyone in their bank account. So 
the, the, the Hong Kong people are the view that are, because you know, we've had obviously a number of political issues in the last couple of years, but this is probably not the forum to be discussing it. It's, yeah, so some people go, well, I, I can wear the mask, I work from home, I keep pretty safe to myself, so I'm not really too worried about it. So I'm not going to take the vaccine because even if I do it, I need to take another vaccine in 12 months' time and we can't really travel anyway. So that's it's a little bit of apathy. It's disappointing because we, you know, Hong Kong could get the herd immunity. Everyone could be vac- vaccinated by now. And we need as a to open the borders to China um, to really get Hong Kong flourishing again after, you know, two, two and a half pretty tough years. Yeah. And I mean, the problem you and I share is is the issue of, of even when life gets back to quote unquote normal, the issue of border closures affects expats like you and I. So the question over seeing family is is one that obviously weighs on people like you and I. And it's like, well, this is the biggest thing to solve for. Um, it's not the biggest thing, but if you're being selfish about it, it's the biggest thing to solve, right? Where it's like, when when will Australia be open again for people like us to visit? And and I, my answer to that is it's going to take a fucking long time for Australia to be completely open, just breeze in or however you feel like it. So the next question is, okay, so when can people come visit us? Uh, and that's that's when you really need this sort of level of vaccination so that there can be a level of comfort with with opening things up. But it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it, being an expat? Because we just never expected that this even though history tells us that pandemics happen, I never expected this would happen. And you'd be like, how, when exactly are we going to see our family? You know, it's a, it's a great point. And I, I kind of look, I look at I know some people are upset about the lockdowns, but in some ways you look at Australia, you know, t- harder to get into than North Korea. Um, I can, there's some ways I see that there's an argument, keep the borders closed, protect the people, protect the businesses. I know obviously travel and aviation and some other businesses will struggle, but you know, I can see the rationale of, not a popular opinion, I can see the rationale of the government in trying to keep it out and trying to keep life as as is. But eventually Australia's going to need to open the borders because you can't be your own island. You need to let the, the tourists in, the international people in, the students and things like that. And I do feel for the expats who are away who don't have a job and struggling and can't get back in, but it's it's a bit, a bit, there's no easy answer on this one, but I don't think we'll be back, get back into Australia for another year, year and a half, maybe two years is how I say it. Me too. Now, yeah, Vals, Vals I've, I've known you for 30 years, right? I, and, and I thought I knew you, I thought I knew you pretty well. I'm astonished that you didn't say Australia harder to get into than Silver's on a Saturday night. <laughs> oh, but I always had a drink card and a door list, so I was always okay mm. on that one. <laughs> harder for some people. <laughs> Whose door list were you on? Originally Jesse Mars, and then I got my I knew own it. door list called. I knew called, it. It was Silver's on a Thursday night. Caused a bit of a caused a bit of a, an issue actually at, the, at back in 1996, 1997. Uh, but when I got the door list and the, and the drink card and was a, got up to a hundred dollars of drinks and and spirits were two dollars, pots were a dollar, and the Dury and shakers were ten dollars. Uh, it was it was it was good times. Everyone having a good time apart from who just couldn't seem to pick up at the time, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to shout out to long time listener. Uh, I think yeah. loyal not, He's also a technological laggard, so he may not know what a podcast is. But if he does know what but podcasts it, are, he would no, definitely. He, listen. he, he does. Like, he, okay. He, yeah, he, he once accused me, or he once questioned me, questioned as to whether I was an anti-vaxxer because of something. <laughs> oh yeah, he expected that yeah, you're on no, the take he... from uh, from that crazy uh, Pete Evans guy and his fringe of uh, of anti-vaxxer lunatics. The one thing that you can do when you're locked down or semi-locked down or waiting to get back in uh, to Australia at some point is watch TV and uh, watch films. 
So Ranch, it's been a little while since we talked uh, full stop and it's been a little while since we talked about TV. What's, what's on your list at the moment? What have you been, what have you been consuming? Oh, look, the, a, a number of things. And there's, there's a few things I'll, I'll kind of mention, but just briefly. There's a show called Mayor of Easttown, which is a, like, I think half the world is watching at the moment, which I would strongly recommend. It's um, Kate Winslet in a uh, limited series on HBO in Australia. I think you can watch it on Binge and Foxtel. And it's, it's just real good. It's a, it's a kind of whodunit, small town, Pennsylvania Kind of depressing, and it's in its in, in in that it kind of is a bit of a slice of life of, of what it can be like to be a small town, in particular in um, Kate Winslet's character's um, uh, case, like the the kind of chief detective in in, in the small town, which um, is difficult because you're investigating crimes and you kind of know everyone in the town. So um, it's kind of interesting for, from that point of view. Really, really good show, though. The final episode is this week, and I would um, strongly recommend that to to anyone. Uh, probably one thing I, I would mention, and I've only watched about a season and a half of it, is an Australian show. So you were mentioning about feeling like you were back in Australia. There's a show called Mr. Inbetween, which I think is a Foxtel original show. And uh, Steve-O actually put me onto it. And um, it is Steve-O. Who? Oh, sorry. It's just he's, he's dead yeah. to us on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. That's, that's valid. It's... Uh, it's it's incredibly good, like incredibly good. It's, it's, it's like 20 minute episodes, which is really good. <laughs> like it's, uh, that, that, that's a massive benefit, but it's, um, it's kind of, it's just about this guy who is, he's a crim. He's like a hitman and he's a bag man. And he's just, he's an all round kind of bad guy. He's a criminal, but it's about kind of his life doing that. But then also, you know, he's a dad to a young daughter and he's got a, a brother who has um, MND that he kind of cares for. And he's got an ex-wife and he's got a girlfriend and stuff like that too. And it's kind of equally, uh, very, very funny at times, but then incredibly dark and, and kind of sinister at the same time. And uh, it's it's just, it's really fascinating. Like it's just got these scenes that I'm not going to say it's like Tarantino wrote them, but these just extended scenes with just him and just, you know, one of his friends or acquaintances just talking about stuff that it really just feels like a fly on the wall type type, type thing. They're just having a, a regular conversation that just goes for a few minutes longer than you think it probably should. Um, and it really just kind of sucks you into the, um, to the culture and the, and the conversation. But what I do like is it's super Aussie in its approach. Just like, you know, it just uses really kind of typically Australian ways of phrasing things, which which I just kind of enjoyed. And given that you guys uh, are overseas, you, you might enjoy too. Um, that talk but, show makes me homesick. Hard to do that. Like it's hard to do that without it being cringy or, yeah. or obvious. Like it seems yeah. like it should be the easiest thing ever to just speak like an Australian speaks, but somehow it doesn't always come across. It comes across as contrived or dumb. Yeah. Put, put on a bit. And, mm-hmm. and look, I mean, certainly to me, it doesn't sound like that. Part of it is, I mean, these are, you know, pretty ochre sort of guys. Um, and so like, you're kind of expecting him to use words like Dunny or whatever, um, which, you know, I normally wouldn't and definitely wouldn't. Um, uh, but it's, um, yeah, really, really, really good to watch. And so I'd, I'd, I'd certainly recommend that. The, nice. the, the key to it though, is the, is the league guy's performance. He's, um, he's, he's never acted in anything before besides this and a movie, which, in which he plays the exact same character. So he's, he's nobody outside of this, but he kind of wrote and directed um, the movie, which is called The Magician, which this show is kind of based off of. Um, but he's got this, he's kind of like, a bit like you, Dave, actually, like tall, you know, Attractive, thin, but he's charismatic. Yeah. Well, magnetic, well, talented. Would, I'm not, I don't know. I might just cut that bit out. Um, but <laughs> like, he's got this, he's got this really kind of creepy, 
sinister looking smile, which is quite amazing to, to look at. So yeah, I'd, I'd certainly recommend that, Mr. Inbetween. Mr. Inbetween. Good one. Thank mm. you. Dave, uh, what, what, this is your first uh, first foray into the uh, the world of film and TV recommendations, at least as far as I know. Um, what's caught your fancy recently? Is there anything that you uh, that you would recommend? We, we watched Fleabag. I'm sure you've all mm. watched that. That's very, very good. And then in the last couple of weeks, we moved across into Motherland, which was absolutely brilliant. Uh, they do it well, the English, with these BBC comedies, uh, two seasons, six episodes, 25 minutes, absolutely brilliant. Uh, I think a lot of us have got... What's um, Motherland, yeah. It's about, about mothers, uh, English mothers who are in their late 30s, early 40s, kids at school about drop-offs and the competitive nature between these mothers always trying to outdo each other and some are working some are not working it's again it's got that flea bag dark comedy awkward situations it's very very good and uh so i'd highly recommend that for so flea bag and and motherland we 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 went back and had a uh always just dropping back watching some modern family i i'd, I'd see that in one of the top five tv shows of all time modern family up there Ooh. with seinfeld who else would I have in the office? Probably wouldn't have How I Met Your get Mother. Smart. One stage, get, get smart. <laughs> How I Met Your Mother about 10 years ago I was a massive fan of. Not sure that's aged as well. But no, Modern <laughs> Family also goes well. If you haven't seen Motherland, definitely, uh, and Fleabag, mm. go and watch those. They're absolutely terrific. Excellent, excellent tips. I cannot recommend Fleabag highly enough. It's a few years old now, so perhaps many people have seen it. But if you haven't, just watch that show. It is absolutely uh, perfect, I think. Like, there, there's literally not one thing you would change about it. It's just, it's an absolute masterpiece by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and it's it's absolutely unreal. Motherland sounds good, although, geez, can't we get more TV shows where men are the protagonists in the show for crying out loud? Underrepresented I gave you, for I, so many years, right? No shows about yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. You know, the thing that you touched on was interesting, Dave, um, about finding things to watch together is harder and harder. Like when I worked in the TV business, it was one of the things that we looked for, but everybody finds it difficult, particularly if you're in a family setting, like the, the number of things you can watch together as a family is, is small. It kind of always has been, to be honest, but that's the holy grail that everyone wants and it struggles to find. But even watching things with your partner, not that easy. So it sounds like uh, Motherland could be, could be a good one. I've got a couple of uh, watch it with your partner once, if uh, if you guys are interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the we, we started watching The Handmaid's Tale again. Speaking of HBO, oh. I'm not sure why we're still watching it. It just, just it's just, that would not have been on my list of things to watch. Nothing good happens. Together. Nothing good happens, and no. then and then it gets worse, and then something even worse happens. And and that woman is so good at playing that character of just just being horrified and the extreme close-ups that i'll tell you what they ranch great cinematography in the handmaid's tale like the, mm. the aerial shots the long shots the way that the way that's filmed is beautiful but I, I find myself watching it and thinking we've been through so much of this it's like an ordeal that we've been through for four mm. years now and i'm wondering why exactly mm. we're putting ourselves through it but we are watching it we watched a, a good film if you haven't seen it with couples called yesterday from about two years ago it's it's the just this, one yeah really obvious premise right like if something weird happened in the world and somehow the Beatles had never existed, but you're the one person who knew about them. Have you seen that one, Dave? What's that called? It's called Yesterday. It's about basically the whole world simultaneously has their memory erased from the, that the Beatles were a thing. But the one, there's yeah. one guy who, who knows that the Beatles are a band. So he starts, he just starts playing covers of their songs. And was like, Oh my God, you're the best. You're amazing. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a pretty silly idea, but I've got to tell you it, it's done so well. And the guy who's not a professional singer, he's just an actor. 
does a really, really nice job doing the sort of the acoustic versions of it, even though we've all heard those songs a million times. Um, hard not to like it. There's one bit that's really silly where he goes and finds John Lennon because in this alternate future, John Lennon didn't get assassinated. And he goes and finds him and talks to him, and I thought it was super dumb. But um, I thought it was good. Ranch, you saw that one? I actually haven't. I It's a great premise, and um, when it came out, I... The, I, I kind of heard that it was good, but not great. Um, it's a Danny Boyle movie, so I, I, I was. Yeah, you can tell actually. You can. Yeah, you can like feel I, it. I'm, I'm, I'm keen to see it just because I, I really, I try to see everything that my favourite directors make. So, um, yeah, I haven't seen it, but in fact, I'll tell you what. The reason I haven't seen it is because I kind of had it on the list of things to watch with Michelle, and so that's why we haven't watched it yet. Because, can't find things to watch together. Yeah. See, like no, because we've got the list is too long and we watch like very few things together. Oh, well, one, one yeah. anti recommend that I have this week is a series on Netflix called the serpent popular over here, um, set in, uh, in Bangkok, Dave, and actually a little bit in Hong Kong as well. It's, it's period piece from the seventies. So it's actually really nice nostalgia because I think they've used stock footage. So it's based in Bangkok, Hong Kong and Paris. And they've used real stock footage from that era and spliced it in with the thing, which is really clever. But the series itself, I keep waiting for it to not be dumb. And I'm just, I'm, I'm a fool for sticking with it. I am absolutely a fool. It's, it's, it's a semi-true story about a criminal mastermind who, he was a gem uh, dealer and, he's th- and, he, and he needed to smuggle gems. So he used to kill a lot of sort of hippies and, and steal their passports and travel as them. That was the thing. And he just, he just poisons them and they die. And it, that's the show. He just like, ooh, they're having a party. Oh, wait, he's poisoned someone. And then, ooh, they're having a party. Someone's been handed a drink that they didn't make. What's going to happen the next scene they're throwing up? It's shit. And you know what it is? It's, it's a bit like that, that Dyson vacuum cleaner that I love complaining about. The beautiful packaging distracts you from the fact that it's a shit product. And it's a, it's a shitty series and don't is get sucked that Dyson vacuumer is a piece of shit. The, the upright is one it? that you pay hundreds of dollars for. Yeah, it's terrible. It's the worst. Is it? I'm yeah. not sure anyone else in the world believe, like agrees with you on this. Have you got one? It's terrible. I do. It's great. No, no. There must be something wrong with ours. I can't, I can't stand it. It's been really, it's, we've got four vacuum cleaners and it's easily the fourth, fourth on the list wow. behind wow. like even an aging Roomba that doesn't know what it's doing. But I know Serpent, I would, I would uh, avoid. But uh, Dave, on the subject of music and of televised spectaculars, are you a Eurovision guy? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm interested in Eurovision because ABBA uh, won it, obviously, and ABBA's one of my favourite bands, and I've been to seven different ABBA tribute concerts in the last 15 years <laughs> in, oh. in, in Melbourne. In how many of those were you actually performing, Vals? I got on stage twice. Um, and and, I, and I, 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 I kid you not. So what I do is I, they come and I buy like 30 tickets and I can't get anyone to go with me. And then I, then I, then, then, then I, then I, then I go, oh, Michael, Michael actually came, came up once and, uh, and then all the girls, they, they're keen on going and then they bring their partners. And let me tell you, it is one of the greatest, like, yes, you could have quite a few vodkas before you go, but it's one of the greatest nights you ever have because it's two hours. You're all dressed up. They're singing two hours of every song you you've ever heard and it's absolutely fantastic so ABBA tribute concerts either Bjorn again ABBA mania or Baba um, do yourself a do, do yourself a favor and it's, it's one of the disappointments but I've, I've recently You're giving it the Molly them. Meldrum treatment do yourself a favor. <laughs> I, I, I've actually written to them recently asking them to come back to Hong Kong and that I'll promote them up here in Hong Kong that's how keen I am to come back ABBA so or you're, Baba? you're uh, any, I've written to Bjorn again, Baba and uh, Abermania. So uh, all the higher. tribute bands. 
aim higher right to the actual band are you part of the group that offered them a billion dollars to reform because they've been offered a billion dollars to tour again i yes i know no but but they said go and see the tribute acts like bjorn again because they're 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 what they were back then they'd been they'd be no good now um but the the tribute acts are terrific and that's why i'm interested in eurovision but i didn't follow it closely but i hear there was a bit of controversy this year dave this year was uh look it was actually just nice to see a live event with 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 spectators and it was in uh, it was in rotterdam and the dutch the dutch you know they 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 put on a good show and the songs this year were good it was the perfect mix of actually decent pop music versus some that were intentionally silly but like really in a good way like iceland iceland always do something silly and this year they had a three-piece circular keyboard that they'd play and then they'd snap it together and stand in the middle of it playing a circular keyboard which is great uh, and they also did a, a funny bit with a guy from the eurovision film um where he came on and read the points and all that. So the other thing that was great was um the the absolutely completely expected but still funny brexit backlash against against the uk the uk's act was not great it was just a guy in a leather jacket with a bunch of zippers on it no one knows why he had that many zips the song wasn't very good Anyway, there's two parts of the voting. There's the jury, which is all the other countries. And then there's the public vote, which people like me actually vote on with their phones. So first round comes out. Everybody gets the votes from the jury. UK votes from the rest of Europe, zero. Not six, (laughs) not 50, zero. Everyone's kind of laughing about it. Second round, public vote. Everyone in Europe, TV audience of 120 million votes for the UK, Zero. <laughs> <laughs> so they leave so, the EU. So, like, could, <laughs> could could the UK vote or not? Like yeah. the UK themselves. Yeah. Not even the UK themselves voted for this. Uh, you, you can't vote for yourself. That's the, it's a complicated oh, okay, system right. of, of like voting alliances. Like there's companies like um, Cyprus and Greece who literally give each other twelve points every time, and they have to like act surprised. And and like we Nordic countries do the same. But yeah, so the winning country was Italy with 570 votes and the UK literally had zero, zero votes, which uh, is tough, tough on the artist. You know, he was up there trying his best, but um, no, Eurovision was good. I mean, it's, it's different when you're in the right time zone for it because it's a Saturday night. You generally have friends over, you make drinking games out of it. It's like, no, they've sped it up. It goes for like two hours now or three hours, maybe, but have drinking games like every time there's someone wearing all white you have to drink a shot every time there's a smoke machine you have to oh, oh sorry like pyros you have to uh, have to drink a shot every time there's a you know wind machine which is obviously in most of the songs um, and you and i introduce gambling into it so there's a sweep like melbourne cup style so it's just it's just a good time i think I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that australia is in it all the time now which is um which is good but i do feel like australia has made the mistake of of taking it too seriously like there's this level of silliness that that often is the right level that Australia hasn't quite found. Like they either send a really good pop act, like like Guy Sebastian or something. It's like almost like that song was a bit good for Eurovision. Yeah, yeah it's almost it, a bit too professional. Or or they send one that, that that's not great, but still taking itself a bit seriously. And if you're going to send something that's not great, you may as well just lean into being stupid. Um, mm, and and mm. sometimes it just it just it just works. But uh, no, good good Eurovision this year. Um, I, I was it so was, we should uh, send like. Mick Malloy or something. Is that what you mean? Um, I don't know what the right level of silliness. It's, it's just, it's one of those things that's hard to describe until you've watched it a few times and then you'll see an acting like, yep, this is it. This is, it's like, like the secret source of silliness. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to say this, but who, the, who I'm thinking of is like a rebel Wilson type, you know, like she, uh, she's, she's too silly. She's too, 
too silly. Yeah, it has to it has to be that plus a bit of a hook. So almost that that's too silly. That's what I'm saying. It's quite a unique vibe that you need to right. that you need to hit. Um, but I hope they stay in it. I, I mean, I believe they will stay in it because there's financial reasons um, why that that that, um, that Australia is included. They basically contribute financially and guarantee a certain number of viewers. So I think Australia will be in it for as long as they want to be in it because they've got eyeballs plus dollars, um, which is which is a really great combination in television. So yeah, that was uh, that was a, that was a good a good wrap um, on that. Just to finish off music, I wanted to quickly. Um, this podcast was supposed to be about parenting. Do you remember that when it was going to be about what great dads we are? <laughs> for the first <laughs> the first five minutes. <laughs> didn't really happen but just never it never went that way maybe yeah, because no, we're bad no, I dads. think we started talking about it and then you started talking about your 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 holidays where you always get duped by by carnies and things and then and then it all went downhill from and, there and the rest is history but i am um, i find as a, as a father of a uh, of a six-year-old and a two-year-old i spend a lot of time djing children's music parties uh, dance parties for six-year-olds and two-year-olds and i've gotten quite adept at it um so i, I do love to talk about what music kids like um it's interesting to me like i don't really want to raise my kids on dinosaur music that's going to make them uncool like you do have to not just make them obsessed with your own taste but some i I do play them old music and some of it works so well and some of it they're just like what the hell is this but i mean what what works in your house ranch what are the kids i know i know you're a music lover and and a musician um what what do you play for the kids what do they like yeah look there's been a lot of wiggles played in our house and there's a lot of moana yeah, there's been a lot of the Moana soundtrack and and Frozen, but uh, but those aside, yeah. Look, what what I found actually is that the kids don't necessarily have their own tastes yet in in terms of stuff that they've kind of found and discovered themselves. But what what I probably have noticed is that a good song is still something that they like. You know, like it, like most of the time, I'll put on. Mm, best of the fucking 80s you know playlist on spotify or something and you know it's all songs that 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 you and me and vals and everyone probably listening to this knows but those songs still kind of work and the kids will enjoy those pretty well um so anything that's kind of been like a fairly popular hit i think the kids kind of tend to like um my, my son uh loves anything with a lot of energy so if i put on some van halen he just he loves that and he'll just like you know go around like crazy pippa's a bit younger she, she's three and she'll kind of enjoy anything where she can um kind of you know just j- just dance to it like she she likes kind of dan- dancing music and stuff like that but yeah in, in general i kind of just think that anything that was a good song back then like even if it's a bit naff now like if i, if I got like vanilla ice and put it on um you know like we'd all oh, kind of gig hang on, it, hang that, on. Wasn't, that, that was a pretty good song that was a pretty well, good song no no but 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 like, <laughs> this, this is the point you know like like you know i was i was trying to think of of, of something that's that, that's a song that we might kind of sneer at a little bit now, but I put it on, the kids would still like that because it's a good song to listen to. Like, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I just think that st- stuff still stands the test of time for kids these days, I think. It's a special category. And there's another category of bad songs that you know are bad, but you also know the kids would like them. Like Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men. It's a terrible song, yeah. Yeah. but you know a five-year-old kid's going to like that. You just have, exactly to, right. have to suck it up and say, well, we'll play that. But Dave, yeah. I mean, I'm, I know there's ABBA. I'm, what else is there on your, on your rotation with the kids? Uh, our kids like um, going back a few years ago. Was, uh, our, uh, we've got two sons there, uh, turning six and three, and they're into kind of you know the kids' dinosaur songs. But we've definitely moved to ABBA, Dire Straits, The Carpenters, all that old great music. Uh, my youngest kid absolutely loves Radio Gaga, 
by uh, by Queen, and he likes really? the version at at um, uh, where, 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 where would he had live? He loves that, and he, and he and he loves throwing the fist out there, and he, he follows the Freddie Mercury moves. Absolutely fantastic! That's cool. And the That's and cool. the one that He's, and the one he that takes after his father, David. <laughs> <He does. laughs> and, then, and then and then my so. When it comes as expats, you know, we've, I've been away for about 17, 18 years. Uh, there's two songs that make, really make me homesick. One is um, uh, John Farnham's "You're the Voice." That is yeah, absolutely brilliant. And if you and if you can find the one, it's on YouTube where John Farnham plays it with Coldplay. That's and they're all singing together. That's fantastic. The other one is the Seekers' uh, "I Am Australian." Um, it's played before I think the '94 Grand Final, or you can see it in. And and just that always gets my gets the uh, you know the heart in the throat. Oh, that's an absolute beauty. Those are the two oh, right. songs for that. Uh, my my kid, the seek. Oh, the, the seekers. I am Australian. That is that that should be our national anthem. That is a fantastic song. Uh, and that's it Peter shows. Allen, yeah, uh, uh, he's pretty good. I've got a friend of mine who dresses up as Peter Allen every now and again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When I say a friend of his, I'm talking about myself because I've got six, eight different pairs of maracas. Yeah, I don't think you're fooling anybody, given everyone who listens to this podcast knows us. I think they know who you're talking about. But you know what? That thing about Freddie Mercury is interesting. My six-year-old loves Freddie Mercury. She, I, I played her a... a it wasn't the this live is my feel you've just of just a fucking good song is a fucking good song i reckon yeah very well, my, true my very true heard another one bites the dust and first of all she did something adorable she started singing and she thought it was called no one buys the dust and so she's <laughs> she, she still thinks she's that's right. what the song's called and then i showed her i think how pl- much commercial value a box uh, of dust. No one i think there are plenty of people buying dust back in those days when they made Ooh. it i'm sure they they were but uh, I showed her a film clip and Freddie Mercury is just getting around with a white kind of trucker cap with some baseball logo on it and the shortest white tennis shorts you've ever seen, which is dick and balls almost coming out the bottom. And she just looks at it like, I think it was like, the, it almost like she understood what rock and roll was. She's like, this guy gets to do whatever he wants. He doesn't even have a shirt. <laughs> She's like, what is this? This guy just, he's just going nuts and people like it. She's like, well, who's this? And she literally was like, I like him. I like yeah. that guy. He's cool. Yeah. But I know uh, Queen, Queen is is a is an interesting one where it's it's legitimately, um, you know, great musicality and somehow kids see it. But some other things they just don't like. Some other things that it, it, I mean, funnily enough, my sister's kids who are teenagers they listen to '90s music as like retro stuff. So they're like, oh my god, you guys that listened to Nirvana when you grew up, you had those bands. And I was like, yeah, 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 we did. Are they listening to like? you know, like the popular songs or are they going off and getting, you know, in utero or whatever and putting that on listening to the whole album? I actually don't know with those two, but I think um, there's, there's a surprising depth to, to, I guess because of the internet and you now can, it's so much easier to dig into mm. the deepest catalog ever, I think. And there's a bit of cred associated with knowing obscure things. That's yeah. harder and harder to do it. So I do think they dig, they dig pretty deep down into it. But yeah, yeah. Um, that thing about just, misunderstanding the song, sorry, Ranch, go I was I was just going to say like yeah like my 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 feeling is that if if it was a a popular song that you know people kind of liked listening to then I think the kids certainly at the sort of impressionable ages that our kids are I think that they'll still like it but you know like the 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 musicality of what they're listening to just does not register at all like you know you you mentioned some kind of obscure thing there the kids have just been confused by it my favorite band of all time is Rush, they're a prog rock band from the 70s in Canada. If I took out one of one of the 22-minute songs 
you know, that that I love the best. The kids would be just befuddled by that. They'd just be like, I what just can you can you put on the wiggles, please? Like this is trash. I can't believe you listen to this, you loser. Like they they, they would they would hate it. <laughs> just cause just because it's not it's it's just not like easily listenable, I think. No. No, it's it's uh, it's an interesting one, but no, I'm 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 I might actually share the play. I've I've compiled a playlist for the six year old and a playlist for the two year old, and um, you know, it's it's a it's a formula that works. We'll have to we'll have to share playlists at some point and uh, and compare. The other thing, oh, the other thing, I love I love the kids getting things wrong. I played Little Richard because I, I was you know as as a sort of a I'm not a music historian, but I appreciate the, the beginning of things. So I'm like, you know what? All these songs you like, they all started with this guy called Little Richard who sang in a particular way, and it was like really different. And Olivia listened to it, my six-year-old listened to it. And she's like, oh, this is good. I like this. And then we, we finished and listened to something else. She's like, two days later, she's like, oh, can we listen to that song again? I was like, which one? That guy that you played for me, Small Jeff. <laughs> Put Small <laughs> Jeff on. <laughs> like, what? Who? The Small Jeff. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Small Jeff. And then I worked out. About that <laughs> Small Jeff. <laughs> so it's so much funnier than i thought it was gonna be uh, i love it when they get uh, do you guys have song lyrics that the kids intentionally get wrong and, and you just let it go because it's funny yeah I, I, absolutely that's uh you know, they they just make it up as they go along it, I, I, actually there's a youtube video with peter k when he goes misunderstood misheard or misunderstood lyrics he does it very uh very very well because the, well, i think the most famous one is Hold me close, uh, hold me closer, Tony Danza, rather than Tiny Dancer. That's one of the. But there's can you the, sing he, that. Pe- can you sing? Do you can sing a, it, please? Please sing it. <laughs> no, I, I only sing Backstreet Boys these days. Uh, go that's, that's on. My, that's, and uh, don't cry for me, Argentina uh, by Evita. That's my other. That's my go-to karaoke, by the way. I must really? say, well, the, the, well, the well whole, hang on, the, Vaz, Vaz, on that, like for most famously in my in my extended family. Uh, the, the most famous misheard lyric that was brought up by my sister-in-law as a child was for Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. To her, it was, Don't cry for me, Sargentina. <laughs> Argentina. <laughs> oh, that's a great song. Absolutely. What about you, Dave? Some misheard lyrics from your side? Um, there was the, yeah, there's obviously the um, No One Buy Some Dust. The other thing, look, I'm going to be judged for this because I, I played a song that had adult content in it. I played... Um, you know those Ed Sheeran songs where he's talking about wanting to have sex with someone who's kind of barely concealing it by using the word love? You know those ones? Right. Yep. The one called Shape of You, which again, is not the right thing to play for a six-year-old if they understand English lyrics because it's, it's a little bit of bedroom talk. But basically, it came on. She's like, this song's good. I like this guy. Let's listen to it. And when he sings, uh, I'm in love with the shape of you, she thought it was, I'm in love with the shoebox shoe. <laughs> So she's now thinks it's this song called "I'm in love with a shoebox," which she thinks is uh, is hilarious. Is, is that song more subtle? Is it is it more subtle than the uh, references giving in Cardi B song "WAP"? Um, slightly more subtle than that. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. WAP is a, is a yeah. It's, it's confronting to have that on the radio. Definitely, it, 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 a lot of questions come up if those lyrics are really investigated. There's a there's these videos going around where like a kids, adults, whatever, play it to their older parents. They put the song on <laughs> and they've never heard it before and seeing the parents' reaction once they start understanding some of the lyrics, quite, uh, quite funny, I must say. Um, you know, there's from, you talk about, we talk about 90s music and growing up, uh, Nirvana was obviously one of the bands we all grew up with. Uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit was a, was a huge, huge hit. We've all jumped around on the dance floor to that one. That actually, 
uh, one of Cobain's friends said, oh, Kurt smells like Team Spirit. And that's where it came from. And Team Spirit actually was a female deodorant. He didn't know. He found out a few months later. So smells like Team Spirit, he thought was pretty cool, but it was actually the name of a, a deodorant. So there's a little bit of Dick and Ham knowledge from the past there, Dave and Ranch. Well, there you Is go. Right? Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I knew you'd talk karaoke. I, I, without knowing it directly, I knew you'd be a karaoke guy. So the, the Don't Cry For Me Argentina is one of your go-to. What's, what's your other, what were your other go-to karaoke songs? Piano Man. Piano oh, Man. And when, it comes to, when it comes to, and when it comes to my, because often like when we go on footy tours to Manila, Bangkok, Pattaya, where, where a lot of uh, uh, strange and seedy behaviour is seen, um, I'll get up on stage and I'll mime the words to I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys with a few dance moves as well. And the crowd loves it. The crowd loves that one. So mm. it's a good one. At about 12 o'clock at night, everyone seems to know the words to uh, I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. But you mime it. You don't sing it. Oh, because you're not at karaoke. You're just at a bar. So you're just... You're just, just, uh, just at a bar. Yeah, but I, but, yeah. but, right. but I, I've, got, I've got a very small range, but Don't Cry For Me Argentina really fits perfectly in my range. That's, what yeah, I, yeah. that's my yeah. go-to song. I think... I think that's key like you know I, I i think that most people can sing well if it's in if it's in their range and they might have a really kind of big range or they might have a, a small range uh piano man is an excellent excellent choice because it's got a chorus that everyone can sing to and i think that's one thing that you want to look for in a in, in a karaoke song it's and hold a, it's the mic out to the crowd yeah yeah so it's like the rest of the crowd can, can get involved but the downside of it is that there's a lot of downside there's a lot of downtime in the song like the the, the, the verses happen and then it just goes into the kind of like musical interlude between the verses. And so you're just kind of standing there with the microphone for a bit, um, unless you do some dance moves fast. But um, like the, 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 perfect, the perfect karaoke song for me fits all three of my categories, which is one, uh, it's, it's got a, a chorus everyone can sing. Uh, two, there's no downtime. And three, it's fucking short. And that song yeah. is Viva Las Vegas by Elvis Presley. Yeah, ah, it's a classic. Go, Very good. It goes for like two minutes. It never stops. It's just it's got heaps of momentum. And when you when you hit that chorus, just everyone can sing it. It's the best. It's yeah, the best. that's a great point. But isn't there a fourth criteria though, which is one that is not a complete karaoke standard? That people it comes on and people are like, oh yes, this as opposed to like, oh yeah, here we go. Because there's certain songs that just that just yeah, yeah. like. Are played every time. Um, I mean, karaoke is a classic case. Something that I miss. Like, it's so it's yeah, so yeah. good. But karaoke's morphed over here. It's not it's not public anymore. It's it's little booths, private booths with yeah, yeah, six yeah. of you. Because I think there's not enough people who want to sing in front of strangers, but they want to sing with their friends. So basically, the karaoke vibe in Europe is um, is mostly just these these sort of private room setups. But there's one thing, yeah. and, and Dave, you would you would love this. One of the many reasons you need to come to Europe once it's a, a possible come back to Europe. Firstly, you need to come with me to Stockholm to the ABBA museum, which I've been to and, oh, you, oh. and you would absolutely love it. It's just, it's uh, it's everything you've ever dreamed of literally. Um, we, so there's can that. We, can we please arrange um, uh, once borders are open, uh, everyone goes there and like, including Vals and goes to that museum. I fucking hate ABBA. I've got nothing. I've got no time for ABBA, but I'd love to be there with you. And then we can go out to karaoke. That would there's be something for everything. There's something for everybody ranch. They've got the mixing desk. It was also used by Led Zeppelin. So it's, it's, it's not just about oh, ABBA. It's about other things. That's, that's totally fine. Hey, I'm mainly Dave, there for I've, the karaoke. Dave, I've got a story for you. Um, firstly, karaoke is massive in, in Hong Kong and, and yeah. the, and I would, I don't like to be stereotyped, you know, call out stereotypes or whatever, but 
the Hong Kong people, the Filipino people generally are fantastic singers. They are very good singers, better than Caucasians. A big call, but they, uh, I've been in, in a lot of karaoke places and, and they can sing really well. So that's the first thing. Secondly, at my wedding, I made a ill-fated choice about, a, about 10 years ago to sing a song at the wedding. Now, the footage has been buried because I sang <laughs> in front of 160 people the song from the wedding singer when that when Adam Sandler was on the plane, I Want to Grow Old With You. Can you remember oh, when he yeah, sang that yeah, song? Yeah, yeah. Isn't so, it kind of quiet and soft and like the old ukulele almost? So a guy played the guitar. Now, we practised it and, again, it was Can right in my now, range. Just to just to, just to remind us? <laughs> no, I will not be singing it now um, for obviously contractual reasons. Um, oh. And Boots is my, Boots, Boots is my lawyer has, has said I'm not allowed to to, to sing any yeah, songs without without certain payment. So anyway, so so I got I practiced coming up to the day. Now, there was a lot of pressure on the wedding day, and I had a, we also did our uh, our wedding dance to Dirty Dancing, uh, time of my life with a big lift, and so there's a lot of you know activity and performances going through the day. But before this, before the big dance, I I got up there to sing I Want to Grow Old with You, and. The key with this song is it went up a couple of octaves, and I could manage no. it if I started at the bottom of the. It started at the bottom, Ooh. but the problem is I started at the, the top, and I had nowhere to go, so no. I was flat through the whole song. It was absolutely terrible, and I, and, I, oh. and I, it's one of those moments I go, I, I want another shot at it. I'm actually thinking about having, like, this maybe a, you know, uh, the ten year wedding anniversary, yeah, renew singing the song. Sing the song again because I, I feel like I want another crack at it. Because if I ever showed you the footage, it's it's horrendous. It's absolutely. I really. It was a real miss. Well, you um, have to do it anyway. There's there's of no. Of course, if there's any again. listeners out there who have the footage of David <laughs> singing at his wedding, Dick and Ham Show at gmail.com. Yeah, we the, will uh, pay cash money. <laughs> the mail, mailbox. But you know the worst song for that Vals is the worst karaoke song possible. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I know what, what you're going to say. Living on a prayer. Uh, yeah, no, Bon Jovi, bon Jovi has a lot that are much harder than you oh, think. But the, yeah. No, the, the, the band, Norway is the only band that ever got famous internationally. It's Aha. And if you try to sing yeah. Take On oh, Me by yeah, Aha, yeah, it's it's way too hard because then he gets into that chorus like, I'll be yeah. gone. And you're like, I'm still there. Yes. And then he goes higher and higher. And you just, by the time he gets to the end of that bit, everyone expects it, but you can't do it. So you just shouldn't try. But what I was going to say, Vals, the second reason to visit Europe other than the ABBA Museum, in Berlin, there's a thing called Bear Pit Karaoke, and there's it's like this huge sprawling Sunday sort of market, and the Bear Pit is just sort of part of it. It's not just a solo solo attraction, but basically, large numbers of people they sit in like this natural amphitheater that's very sort of steep seating and almost like a, it almost looks like a bullfighting ring or something in the middle, right? It's just like dirt, and it's karaoke. Whoever wants to sing sings, and there is a crowd of around two to three thousand. Right. Oh, punchy. <laughs> and it's amazing. Cool. I did not sing. I regret it tremendously. That's awesome. uh, the, the only drawback is there's a really long wait because there are a lot of people who want to sing. So you have to hang out there for ages if you want to sing. But um, imagine so, that. So, imagine that, so, that sort of character. That's next level. So, guys, that karaoke is, wise, do, do you prefer singing private room or in front of strangers? Uh, if I'm doing a song that I'm good at, which is about one or two, I'll do I'll do it to a crowd. If it's if it's if I'm no good at it, then just in a private room. Dave, I prefer a crowd. I, uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm I'm trying me to research too. the songs that I can do. One song I, I can songs that people aren't expecting, like "Creep" by Radiohead. I can sing that all right. I've got a couple that I can sing quite well, and I'm confident with singing, and I, I'm very happy to do them and very happily do them in public. Yeah, but, I, I'm, I'm a massive. Uh, I must say, the "Aha" take on me is actually. 
one song we had in the car played on repeat 50 times when my at the time I he was he's nearly six now but he was five we we're going through Margaret River that was the song that he wanted over and over again it's an absolute uh, it is an absolute river and at, 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 any, at any kind of party I would definitely play take on me uh, but very difficult to sing I agree on that it's still going yeah, they're still hanging around those guys Still dining out on it 30, 40 years later. You know, like there's, there, there's some people who do karaoke who are genuine singers who are amazing. But in general, almost everyone's just a punter. And the idea is that, you know, like everyone's kind of okay, but they're going to be bad at, at part of it. And, and part of the fun is just kind of listening to other people and cheering them anyway. I remember when, when we were in Miami, Dave, do, do you remember doing karaoke there? Yeah, yeah, that's the first time I ever did it. That was the first time I've right? done karaoke. Yeah. You know, great, great fun. Um, and like we're all getting up there being fucking jerk offs and being kind of, you know, at, at best extremely average of what we were doing. And then these two local African American people got up there and started. I cannot remember what song it was, but they were just incredible, like just incredible to listen to. And yeah, I, I just, I like that's, that's what I, that's the other thing I love about karaoke in a, like in, in front of a crowd is that you see these other people and you're like, you don't know if they're going to be fucking terrible or they might be absolutely amazing to listen to. It's like this awesome surprise every time. It's the best. I love yeah, it. I agree. There was a fun, there's a fun thing on the internet where that woman Jewel, who was big in the nineties, she, yeah, like two, two no, years that's ago, good. she went and did karaoke of Jewel songs <laughs> and everyone's like, Oh my God, she's so good. And she had like a big, but they, they really committed to it. Like she went and got a job and then went out to karaoke with her new workmates. <laughs> <laughs> that is unreal How and she had she the big nose and the glasses and everything and they were, and and she could still yeah. sing it exactly like it was in the studio so that it, it was like it was legitimately i don't like jewel that much but it was um legitimately excellent it's worth worth looking yeah, up that that, like that you know there's that really great scene at, towards the end of season one of ted lasso in the karaoke bar remember that Mm, yeah, yeah, just you know, just fa fantastic. The the response from without spoiling it, the response from, you know, everyone else who was in that room towards that character who you know they're a little bit kind of unsure about. Like it just it's it should, her singing that song just kind of you know opens her up to everyone else and you see a different side and it's just it, it's great. It's really good. Same as uh, same as Cameron Diaz in My Best Friend's Wedding when she gets up and uh, sings that. But I'm not sure you've seen My Best Friend's Wedding, have you, Rand? No, I have. I have. Oh, you have. Yeah. She sang terribly, but you won over the crowd. Yeah, it would have been 20 years since I've seen it, but I get the feeling that you watch it every Friday. <laughs> well, after I've watched How to Lose a Man in 10, 10 Days, and yes, I'll probably get onto that one. <laughs> oh, with Heath Ledger, and who was, the, who was again, it no, was Julia no, no, Stiles, wasn't no, it? No, no, How to Lose a Man in 10 Days is Matthew yeah, McConaughey and Matthew Kate Hudson. Julia Stiles is 10 Things I Hate About You. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have two completely different Do not mess with Viles and his, his rom-coms. <laughs> rom-coms, that's true. What the is king of rom-coms. What is the Dick and Ham show's male to female audience uh, ratio? I'm feeling it's a little bit strong on the male proportion. Is that right or not? Yeah, it's an 80-20 split. Our, our demo is 80-20. So we do need something. Yeah, yeah. And look, this is, there's, no, there's no coincidence of why you're on the show this week. You know, this is all, all, part, <laughs> of the, all part of the plan for attracting new, new demographic. So I uh, will let good. you know how that, how that goes. The other thing we should talk about, which we always talk about, referring back to the Essendon WhatsApp chat, Ranch is the only person currently in Australia. What's what's the latest uh, in AFL 2021? How's it looking? Hawthorne and Gold Coast being cancelled, which I think is good for everybody. No, it's just been shifted to Sydney. Um, ah, that's a shame. It would have been better for everybody if it just didn't happen. Yeah, as um, as Sam Pang said on the front bar just before I walked in, he's like, oh, yeah, it, it's not being played anymore. And uh, unfortunately, it, it's, it's just because there was a lack of interest. 
That's fair. I think it's been a terrific season so far. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a ripper. It's, it's, it's been, and the Essendon chat's been surprisingly positive, so positive that Boots is thinking about coming back on. No, um, he's not. He's not welcome. <laughs> until we start talking about Zerk Thatcher, then it goes back to its own thing. But uh, I'm, I'm with, I think it's been, games are closed, young talent's coming through. It's, it's really open, uh, especially after the last week or two. And, and for all the uh, Melbourne Grammar people who about 99% support the Melbourne Football Club, they're up and about having to cancel uh, cancel ski trips to Buller and Falls at the moment. It's, it's tough mm. times. But, uh, but what's your view, Raj? I think, I think it's, been a, it's, a, it's, a, it's terrific, especially for our yeah. Bombers who are developing well. There's, st- there's still time for the Demons to fall in a heap, that's for sure. But uh, massive test tomorrow night. Uh, the, probably the, the one thing I'd say... Uh, which I think is the best thing about this season is that there are there are kind of seven teams where if any of them play each other, it's just a blockbuster lineup. You know, um, whereas in the past, I feel like for however many years now, there's been one or two like really good teams, maybe another couple that kind of could beat them on on any given day, but ultimately, you know, like the the real cream of the crop was was only a very limited amount of teams. Whereas you know, this year, any combination of like Richmond, Geelong, Brisbane, Port, Bulldogs, Melbourne, and like probably West Coast, like any combination of those of those teams is awesome. Um, and so, like that's been really good. Like I feel like we've just had like a this massive kind of blockbuster game almost every week, which is great. And yeah, look, it's 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 a real pity actually that there's that there's no crowds there tomorrow night because the dogs and the demons will be uh, an absolute ripper, and it'd be great to have forty five thousand people there, but. They, they won't look the the um the rest of the the rest of the comps kind of okay i think like you've kind of got teams like sydney and gws and frio who are um kind of there and thereabouts then you've got a handful of disappointing teams who should be better like st kilda and stuff and then you've got the also rounds of which essendon is um one um and we're, we're kind of doing okay but as we said vals it'll just be a a matter of whether we can at least kind of hang close with some of those really good teams because if we just get murdered by 50 points or something. Every time we play one of those guys, I won't be happy. But if we can hang tough, I'll be happy enough. Can you quickly tell us, you have a disproportionate hatred of West Coast, which comes through very strongly in our our football conversations. Why is it? I've never known the answer to this. Yeah, uh, look, part of it's just something that I say now. Um, (laughs) Right, it's a slogan. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, No, but part of it, I reckon, is um, I, I just... I, I've never found them an interesting team. Like I, I, I feel like a lot of their players are a bit kind of same samey. You know, Nat Newey aside, and and a, and a couple of other guys. Like I, I like Nat Newey, I like Josh Kennedy, but outside of that, I feel like a lot of their players are a bit kind of same samey. And also, I just reckon I get a really good run over there from the umps every time, and that drives me mad. It's probably unfair and it's probably unfounded, but yeah, I don't know. Can't explain it. Just don't like them. Fuck the West Coast. I hate the West Coast. That that's a dear trademark because that's that's your trademark phrase. That's your catchphrase these days. That's right. That's all we have time for this week on the Dick and Ham Show. Big thank you to David in Hong Kong, our special correspondent, live from uh, live from Kowloon, and thank you to the Ranch from sunny Bayside, Melbourne, and David here in Oslo. We'll be back next week. Or whenever we get around to making one, a big thank you to our sponsors. You seem to say next week all the time, and I don't think it's ever been weekly. No one's counting. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm, 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 ready, I'm ready for tomorrow. Count me in for tomorrow, Dave. <laughs> well, you put, you put selection pressure on the others, Dave, so, uh, so that's good. Big thank you to our sponsors, Snake Gun for Android and the old McCallum for that smooth taste and that bad, bad behavior. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Stay safe, everyone. Stay safe. Lockdown. Cheers.
if you're going on a first tour as a Hong Kong this is the ritual you have to do. So if, you, if you've never been on tour before, so we go to like, go to, go to like a bar, everyone's the girls are and every person who hasn't has to come out on butt naked with on fire and it's called boffing best on and all the, all the, the, the classic tourists do it first. And then all the young guys of all ages have to and they, they're always trying to put on a show and they dance and they under they roll on the ground they do a that's just the initiation before uh, all the kind of fun and crazy stuff happens